0: Welcome to Christendom College. In today's principal's live lecture, my name is Adam Wilson, and I serve as the principal's production manager here at the college. We're so happy to have all of you here with us today. We welcome in a special way all the members of our president's council, our principal's patrons, as well as any of you who may, who may be new to Christendom College today. We're so happy to have all of you here with us as members of our Christendom family. Together, through principals, we are helping to spread the treasures of truth and wisdom and knowledge that students experience here on campus at Christendom with the wider world. Thank you for making this Catholic educational apostolate possible. It's my pleasure to welcome today, Dr. John Cuddeback. Dr. Cuddeback holds a PhD from the Catholic University of America and has taught for 25 years in the philosophy department here at Christendom College. He frequently writes and lectures on a variety of philosophical and cultural topics for both scholarly and popular audiences. His academic writings have appeared in The Review of Metaphysics, The Thomist, Nova et Vetera, as well as in several volumes published by the American Maritain Association. Dr. Cuddebac is the author of the book True Friendship, Where Virtue Becomes Happiness. He is the creator of the website Lifecraft, which is about discovering and applying wisdom in today's challenging context with special attention to issues relating to household, friendship, work, and stewardship. A lay Dominican, Dr. Cuddebac is also an avid gardener and hunter. We hope you enjoy today's principal's lecture.
1: Thank you very much, Adam. It's great to be with you all here today, and I'm excited to get to share with uh, with you a little something that goes on in the classroom. There's, there's really no blessing like being able to teach in the classroom here at Christendom, and a lot of special things go on in there, and... Uh, Love to bring all of it to you right now. Choosing true friendship. Life is about relationships. And what are the most important relationships ultimately that we have? They're going to be friendships. Whatever the relationship is, really, if it's going to be what it ultimately most can and should be, there's going to be a friendship going on in there what are we most ultimately called to? Friendship with God. We can have a relationship with God that isn't necessarily friendship. But what we're called to is friendship with God. This, to me, is the main reason to be so interested, to be so concerned, to understand well the nature of friendship. Because to understand the nature of friendship is really at the heart of understanding why God created us. It's also going to be the key to seeing how to live friendships with other persons, other human persons. Why are these so important? Well, precisely because they're part of that amazing plan of bringing us to friendship with God himself. The great medieval theologian St. Alarid of Revo says that friendship is the highest step towards perfection. I invite you to think about that with me for a moment. In God's amazing plan, he wants us to become friends with him, to live in friendship with him. But the reality is, that takes a symphony of things to happen to bring that about absolutely central to making that possible to actualizing the gift the call of friendship with god is that we'd be growing in human friendships so this is what saint alfred is referring to when he says It's this highest, it's this key step. And what a gift that is. Isn't it amazing? It's not as though our friendships with other human persons are simply a tool, simply a stepping stone that will one day drop away. No. Somehow they will be gathered up into... The ultimate relationship that gives meaning to and foundation for those others without overwhelming them or removing them, but rather being their fulfillment. So this is what I want to do. We're going to turn the wisdom of of the great philosophers. We're going to look a little bit more into this true friendship thing. So three quick things I want to do with you in our time together. I want to distinguish the most important kind of friendship from the other kinds of friendship. Then I'm going to look a little bit more closely, tell you a couple key things about this thing that we're calling true friendship, this richer kind of friendship. And then finally, I'm going to make a couple practical suggestions of how to take these points and apply them in your life. Please be thinking of questions. Don't hesitate to send those in. We already have some questions been sent in, and I love turning to questions after I make my presentation. All right. One of the great things that Aristotle does for us is he sorts out different kinds of friendships. We're, we're going to really do the, the kind of going right for the heart of it. There's so much more richness to see here. I'm going to try to just narrow to a couple key distinctions. Bear in mind, there's different kinds, and there should be different kinds. There's a place in our life to have different levels of friendship with different people. That's just part of the richness of what God has created. So first important thing I want to point out in making this distinction between what I'm going to call true friendship or full friendship and other kinds of friendship, it's important to see that this, by calling it true friendship here, the point is not to say that the others are false. There is a such thing as false friendship too. I'm not going to be able to sort that all out here today, but among legitimate friendships, there's still one that is much more fully friendship one that much more fulfills the very notion of friendship, more fulfills the human heart. And that's the one I'm calling true friendship. But it's absolutely critical from the start that I make clear in making this distinction. That the point is not try to turn all your friendships into this kind of friendship. Indeed, that would be a very big mistake because due to the nature of this friendship, it's only possible with a very small number of people So seeing how it's different, that will become more clear. We do want to be true to all our friends. We want to act in integrity in all of our friendships. But What I want to focus your attention here on today is this richest kind of friendship, this kind that we will only have with a very small number of people. It's this that's especially important. We have a clear sense of what it is. Because if we don't know what it is, we won't know how to seek it. And if we don't know how to seek it, we're not going to find it. Because this kind of friendship, especially, never happens by accident. It happens because we know what we're looking for. And we ask God for his grace, assistance in seeking it, and discernment, and we run after it. So Aristotle famously distinguishes between a friendship of pleasure, friendship of utility, and the third he calls a couple different things. Friendship of virtue is a great way that he likes to refer to it. It's that one that he says we can have with only a few people, but again, is by far the most important kind. So quickly about the other two and see the difference. Friendship of pleasure, friendship of utility, friendship of virtue. It's fundamentally about what are they rooted in and then what kind of most animates their sharing together because any friendship is going to be a kind of sharing. What is the root sharing that's going on? Friendship of pleasure, we fundamentally enjoy being with one another. All of us can picture this and picture, you know, maybe back when you were in college, younger, it's kind of easier. Aristotle says the friendship of pleasure is especially common among young people. They tend to flock around those that they enjoy spending time with. So the French were pleasure, we're pleasant to one another. So we spend time together and we call each other friends. Note the terminology. Then, ancient Greece, now, the term, to see how terms are commonly used is very important. We call each other friends because we enjoy spending time with one another. That has a certain reality to it. It has a certain place in life. We can have this kind of friendship where it's really not much more than, hey, we enjoy being around one another, so we're occasionally going to have some time together. There's not some really rich, deeper sharing that's going on here. It's just what it is. It is what it is. It's not what it's not. There's a great similarity between that friendship and what Aristotle calls the friendship of utility, usefulness. Picture the kind of business relationship. Hey, we each are able to do something for the other person. We understand that. There's a kind of mutuality here of, of being useful to one another. And that's the basis for, first of all, spending a certain amount of time with one another. Although, in general, the time that we're spending there is time, well, helping one another out. Not so much just relaxing together. We're helping one another out. Well. This is called friendship. We reasonably say, hey, here's my, here's my business friend. This is what it is. And it's not what it's not. It's not about some rich, deeper sharing that's rooted in seeing the other most of all for who he is and loving him and seeking his good. No, rather we... We, a friendship of pleasure, we enjoy being around another, friendship of utility, we're, we're seeking to help one another, right? And kind of, n- n- there it is. Again, those are shallow. They only have a certain depth to them. There's nothing wrong, or in any case, there's not necessarily anything wrong with them. They can be done badly. Aristotle points out bad people can have that kind of relationship as surely as good people can. Good people will exercise those relationships with integrity. And that's a great topic in itself, how to do that. But the third kind of friendship, then he, co- he comes along and he says, look, here what I need you to see is there's a kind of relationship where it's most of all rooted in, not just it's fun to be together, not just we're being useful on one another. We see the other for who he is. We're moved by, as it were the very person and goodness of the other. We love that person for who he is, for his own sake. And because of that, we want to share our life together in some rich way. We want to help one another grow into being our true selves. This is an incredibly rich thing. It's, there can, it can grow out of one of those other kinds of friendship. Well, those other kinds of friendship could almost uh, unnoticeably becoming deeper and deeper. And so there's not an absolute distinction where never the twain shall meet. But nonetheless, in setting out these kinds, this is a very important and real difference. It's one thing to have those other kinds of relationship. It's another thing to have a relationship where at least to some real extent, again, We're seeing the other for who he is. We're moved by that. We say, yes, this is beautiful. This is good. I love. I really, you're good. I want to be with you. You know, these words can sound so kind of fairy tale, or even maybe we've heard them so much, kind of of whatever. When we see it done, we do it ourselves. There's nothing like it. We live in an age of so much loneliness, so much isolation. This kind of friendship is the real antidote to loneliness. It's this kind of relationship where you know that you belong. You know that there is always someone, even if that person is not here now, Who knows me who rejoices in my existence who loves me indeed when you have this kind of friendship really even just naturally speaking you're never alone because you're always in this relationship even if you're not particularly enacting it right now something so beautiful there simply that we can do this with other human persons. So let's look a little bit more at this now, moving to our second part. Let's look a little bit more deeply into it. Here are two wonderful, wonderful things, so rich, that Aristotle says about this kind of friendship. It's rooted in virtue, and it's fundamentally lived in good conversations. So let's look at each of these. Remember I said, when he was giving the names of these friendships, one of his names for this kind of friendship was the friendship of virtue. Well, here now we have an incredibly important insight into both as were the prerequisite for doing this kind of thing, to having this kind of relationship, and then what you're doing or how you go about doing it. It's rooted in virtue. It's a about growing in virtue. Think of this. When you really love another person, what does that mean? You want something for them, but what do you want for them? You want their true good, right? You want the good of the other. I, if I say I love you, I'm saying I will to you your good. I want you to flourish. I want you to be your true self. But there's a truth about the good of the other person. Other words, it's not just whatever that person wants. it's not whatever I want. There's an objectivity here. And it's in, as Aristotle put it, from the viewpoint of natural reason, this is just fulfilled by divine revelation, and we see the greater richness, your true fulfillment, your true happiness, is in living virtuously. So if I really love you. What I really want for you is to grow in virtue, which is also synonymous with becoming yourself. And I love you in such a way that I'll do anything I can to help you and to be there in it with you. So when we see this, do you see how implied here is this aspect that's super challenging When we really see this there's something honestly scary about this we really are only able to do this friendship thing to the extent that we are becoming virtuous ourselves to think i really love the other person want that other person to become virtuous to what extent can i do that if i'm not virtuous myself what would it mean to just kind of say to another person, well, you just, you go and you run along and be good. Don't mind me over here. I'm just kind of all flailing around doing whatever. But I want what's good for you. Such a thing, such a situation might be possible. It is possible. It can happen. But this is not what we're going to call really virtuous friendship. Virtuous friendship. True friendship. What we are, what we're made for, what we really want, what we're yearning for, what fulfills us, is this thing that's going to require much of us, where I can really get be in it and be able to follow through to, as it were, succeed in loving. You know, this is a great lie of our age that you can just you can just love with your feelings. Well, I can just hey hey, I'm a great lover. What does it mean to be a great lover? Doesn't mean I'm just kind of over here going, ooh, I'm just loving lover has to do something it has to be lived it has to be enacted the lover is someone who's giving he's looking to the other and saying i'm here for you and and i see you and i want you to become you and not that i have the power totally or anyway on my own to make you who you are but i can do something real and that is what it means to enact my love right What would the mother be towards her children just kind of over here saying I love you and not enacting it? What would the husband be who says to his wife, I love you, but doesn't act that way. It doesn't follow through on it, right? True friendship means you're following through, which means you're actually helping the other person become himself, which requires something, demands something so huge of me. So friends, again, so much is packed into this. They grow in virtue together. A phrase that is really only understood, I dare say, or really deeply understood, by those who do it. To the rest of us, it might just remain so many words. But virtue is it's a lot richer than words. So this other aspect we said, Aristotle says, true friendship is lived in good conversation. Here's a point, so beautiful. Friendship is always about sharing life. Friendship is always about sharing life. But there's life, and there's life. And thus there's sharing life, and there's sharing life. What is real human life? Well, we've already gotten into that by talking about the virtue, right? In a sense, real human life is this living virtuously. But now here's a closely connected, related, but distinct angle. To live the human difference together. To live our rationality together. To pursue the truth together. To wonder at reality together. In this especially is uniquely enacted in conversation. It's worth spending a lot of time thinking about this and more time trying to do it, but what if I just give this example. Talk to any married couple who've been married for a long time and ask them, what, when is your marriage most alive? In what does your life together most consist? Ask a married couple that. The answer will be clear. It's in the richness of their conversation. Conversations, rightly done, richly done. This is where two humans most are able to kind of enter into one another and be together in looking together, in seeking together, in resting together in the deepest things. There's so much here that we might unfold about then what is necessary in order to do that. I'm going to hold that and make a suggestion here coming up in a moment in the third part. But so right now, I just want to say in any case, to have that in our mind, this is the kind of friendship. They were talking about this true friendship, this friendship of the virtuous. This is the relationship that is fundamentally about growing in virtue. And it's also fundamentally lived in rich conversations. So now we're ready to go to our third part and ask, all right, what are some practical upshots of this? The first one here is going to be particularly challenging. The second and third, I'm going to take directly off of those two big features of the virtue in the conversation. First one here, I'm going to kind of give you the, a little bit of a gut check. It's a challenge, it's tough, but it's, 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 it's rooted in the reality. And this is going back to the point of we can only do this with a very small number of people. And further, you can only do it with Certain kinds of people, or people that are living a certain way. One of the interesting things is I've, I've always found this. I love teaching this. I never tire of teaching this in the classroom. Share christendom That 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 when students hear, "Oh my goodness, we have to be virtuous." There's so much that's required of of us in order to have this this kind of relationship. Our mind immediately then starts to ask, "Oh my goodness. Well, then, with whom out there can I be friends?" Was this, this person maybe I thought I could have a friendship with, but now is that really so? And, and, and it's, it's in a sense very sweet and it's very right that you see the students going, oh my goodness. Well, now, you know, what about this person? What about this person? And then we have to gently remind them, perhaps the first thing we need to do is turn our eyes towards ourselves. Am I capable of being anyone's friend? When other people, I'm um, thinking about this, turn and look at me. Will they find in me someone that's ready, able, willing, really to do this? When St. Alleridge talks about seeking out and forming this kind of friendship, he is very emphatic. We have to be super discerning i'm going to even say colloquially we have to be picky and at times when i share this point people are tempted to think are, are you calling it to me to be judgmental to be judgmental of whether this person's worthy to be my friend that'd be the wrong way to see it it's not about being judgmental but it is about living in the truth if the truth is we're only able to go deeper if there's certain things going on in this person's life and in my life, then we need to recognize that. And the great masters all speak of this. St. Albert, I particularly like on this, where he says, you need to discern. So here's a practical thing. In looking for this kind of friend, see it almost like a kind of dating. This is the way, this is the way that St. Albert speaks of it. You, you spend this time of discerning. I think I might be, to go deeper with this person. Well, no, I'm not gonna be able to go deeper with this person. I think it's worth here looking into going deeper with this person. Then there's a testing period. He says, literally have a testing period. You don't immediately dive in and assume prematurely a deep intimacy. There's always a very organic aspect to growing in friendship. You see this in your relationship with the Lord? You see it in all your relationships. You're not able to immediately plunge in. Don't assume an intimacy too soon. We're discerning. We're learning about ourselves. We're learning about them. We're learning about particular compatibility here. We're making sure that there's the shared interests and the deep intention of putting first things first, of growing in character, of growing in faith together. So that's my first main very practical suggestion is be very discerning. Be ready to be discerning. Though right there I include as part of that. And pray. Ask the Lord to open your eyes, to open the eyes of others. Bring us together. Help us know with whom can I go deeper. And then bless us in doing so. My other two suggestions the first has to do with this aspect of friends growing virtue together. Kind of a concrete thing. As you're starting to go deeper, think in terms of holding one another accountable. With whom can I have this relationship where we're really going to hold one another accountable? Again, you can assume this too soon, but as you're starting to go deeper, this is something, a very reasonable thing to do. Make it explicit. I'm going to be counting on you, Tell me, when I'm not being me. And I'm going to trust you that you want to hear from me when I see some way that I think that you can grow. This is fraternal correction in its kind of most powerful, potent, intimate form. Friends who know that they have one another's back, who know one another well, who love one another in such a rich way. These are the people who can most of all help one another grow. And surely it's especially because of this, but not exclusively, especially because of this. that St. Albert said, here is that special, unique step towards growing in holiness, towards growing closer to the Lord that you have another human person or persons that you can count on to do this with you. Finally, think in terms, what can we do to enrich our conversations? This is a beautiful, broad topic in itself. There's so much to say, for instance, about the day and age in which we live, so many ways that the culture in which we live is undermining our conversation, think of the various ways it is, think of technologies, that tend to undermine conversation. Think about how a lot of the natural context for conversation, like sitting on the porch swing, like sitting around a fire together, that have been functionally removed. There's so many things that make a difference. There's so much that goes into making people prepared for, interested in, capable of enacting, Wanting to do these richer conversations. Sidebar, something I often say to my students: I'm so glad you're getting a liberal education because among other things, one of the beautiful things it's going to do, it's going to form your mind and soul in such a way that you're going to want to have certain kinds of conversations, be capable of having certain kinds of conversations where you're just going to be thrilled and alive in such a rich way. With your true friends so think about all these different aspects in concrete ways how am i going to make myself more capable of conversation am i having the kind of interior life which itself of course beautifully is a conversation itself with the lord that then can be as it were extended into my other relationships. Think how that feeds back in to my relationship with the Lord. So I conclude here by saying another beautiful thing from St. Alred. God's loving providence oversees our human friendships, is offering us, is calling us towards, inviting us towards human friendships precisely as a way of preparing us to live in that relationship with him. And so they can be organically growing together. Think about how that in itself is one of the things that will most unite you with your friends, the shared pursuit of your relationship with the Lord. Well, thanks for listening. And I'm going to, I'm open to questions right now. I know we have a couple of questions that have already come in, so I'm going to, Take a sip of water and turn to them. One question uh, that we received is: Is it possible to start and maintain online friendships? That's a great question. It's a tricky question. You know, it's you often find this when you think about <laughs> deeper things. What can seem to just simply uh, be a yes or no question might be what kind of a yes and a no. And you just, you have to be ready to make the right kinds of distinctions. You know, to some, can you start a relationship online? Well, that I'd say is kind of an easy, an easy tentative. Yes, of course. And this is obvious and experience people meet one another online. In fact, I'll, I'll point this out. I know, I know numbers, numbers of people who met their spouse online, right? So obviously you can, in any case, meet someone that you end up having a very profound and lasting relationship with. The maintain thing is going to be raise a different question. But for a moment, let's just linger on the, on the meat. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go a little further and say this. You know, There's so much to say about technology and the challenges it gives us. But I like a line from G.K. Chesterton. He said, sometimes, sometimes we have to use technology to help us solve problems that it was the technology that caused. I think a good case can be made. The natural contexts and communities within which people met others of a like mind have been undermined by a number of factors. One of them has been certain technological things. All right, but at, at this point, that's not our matter because it's 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 done. We have to live with what we have. So this to me is an instance of thinking with Chesterton there sometimes um, connecting with other people of like mind, which has become more difficult for us in our more and more isolated context of life. Now we turn to online and, oh, okay, here, you know, there's this good group online, you know, not it's not just for people seeking a spouse. There are other, other ways there that we might go and say, hey, you know, I'm making a comment here on this great website, you know, I'm going here to get this great content. No, you know, see someone else there and, you know, some other you know, great social media group. So bottom line there, it absolutely, I think, has its place. It's, it's tricky. We want to make sure that we're not making that be you know, the whole show. But um, to be developing the habits of restraint, of discipline, as regards media, which are going to be so important Going back to our points on developing our ability to have conversation, there's a number of ways our use of social media, et cetera. uh, Too much texting communication, I think, ultimately works against our ability to have deeper kinds of conversation. So being aware of that reasonable place to meet people, yes, now there's the maintain thing. And at the end of the day, we are bodily creatures. Friendship is gonna be lived in, in the presence. In the presence, in the real presence. And real presence for human beings is a bodily presence. Right? I mean, just in saving those words, you think of the Eucharist. Our Lord wanted to be really, really present. So he gave us the Eucharist, where he's bodily present. You know, I, 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 I know children whose, whose father... Has to be a way in service of the country. Sometimes they communicate by technology. No one for a moment is going to say that that somehow is a replacement. That somehow suffices. right? That, that can maintain, in a sense, a connection, but the building, the real living that connections is going to be in the is going to be in the flesh in those richer ways. So so much more could be said there. I'll leave that at that so we can we can look at some others here. Here's a, here, here's a great one, the whole area in itself, should one's spouse be one's best friend? Yes. Yes. I think the answer to that question is yes. But it's complicated. Sometimes, that's not in our power. And we have to recognize that. So much to say may I may put it this way. You can have a true marriage where your spouse is with your spouse, you don't really have, to be frank, the kind of friendship that we've been talking about here. You can have a true marriage where, for whatever reasons, there really isn't that meeting of the souls and hearts in the way that we've been talking about and having those rich kind of conversations. Well, This is rather obvious from experience. People can be married and not have that. And sometimes that's not for a lack of trying, at least on one person's part, for sure. So, I mean, you know, should one's spouse be one's best friend? This is something to strive for, recognizing, by the way, that women need women friends, friends and men certainly can say from firsthand experience for me to be the husband I want to be, I need to have strong male friendships. That's super duper important. There's something unique and irreplaceable there. So, so in saying best friends, certainly not exclusive in the sense of, of, you know, overwhelming all the others and squeezing those out. There's got to be a way that's able to be yet the fullest, the one that where there's most shared life. That is the goal. That is something for a husband and wife to strive for. And I'd say especially to men, that's something that we can miss. And we can forget the importance of cultivating that in all of its richness, including, for instance, this simple aspect of really, really cultivating conversation and meeting of minds and appreciating, honoring, and cultivating interior life The intellectual life, the rational life of our wife. Another question on the board here um, is how many friends, how many of these kind of friends can you can you actually have? You know, great. This this is, of course, is one of those things where there's no absolute number here. But in the full fledged sense, I'm just going to put it this way. I think it's fewer than the fingers on one hand. Now, you have to take this rightly. Part of the richness here is there's always going to be certain people in your life that, at least there's always going to be, there often will be. May you be blessed to have it be so, that there's certain people that you really wish you could go deeper with, but life circumstances are not really going to allow for it. And so we're separated. We're separated by life in, in, in various ways. Often that's just a physical separation. Again, because we're rational animals. We're bodily creatures. If, if we're separated in the flesh, we're separated. We're not really going to be able to be pursuing something rich and full on and deep together. So Maybe it's a second tier thing. But they're not going to be able to be in the first tier. So, so kind of, I'm going to take this question as how many, how many of this kind of friendship can you have? What kind of first tier? The ones that are actually really being enacted. Again, I can think in my life right now of people that were, my life circumstances are a little different. Wow. I would have loved to really be pursuing a deeper friendship with you. But as it is, we're going to be from afar. There's still a kind of friendship. It is what it is. A great gift. And it's not what it's not at least in this life. One great day, that might be different. But in any case here, with the limitations that we have, there's a very small number of people. Indeed, this is why in the book of Sirach, it says if you found a true friend, if you found one, you found an irreplaceable treasure. One, is it one, is it two, is it three? So enjoy the gift, receive the gift. This isn't a way of, of ignoring the others. This is a way of saying you're not my true friends, but it's a way of, of recognizing with some we go deeper. And I'd, and, and I'd even like to put it this way. The more we do well in those few most rich friendships, the better person I'm going to be, the more I'm going to become myself, the more I'm going to be capable of being friends to other people too. It's like we have a really mature relationship between spouses. You don't feel left out by their closeness. You know, the more immature, you know, couple, you all, we feel left out by the kind of immature to their relationship. The really mature relationships actually, in a sense, draw you in or make you feel like these people are capable of being there for me. Final question I think we're gonna have time for we we'll do it really quickly. When should you walk away from a friendship? St. Albert talks about this a bit. There's a bit, I have a whole chapter, frankly, that's addressing some of these things in my book, which I haven't mentioned to you, which I will in a moment. But sometimes you do need to walk away. This is part of what St. Albert was saying of taking a time of kind of dating. Sometimes, especially in the dating period, if you just start to see, for whatever reason, it's not going to work then there's, there's different ways of walking away. And sometimes it's just being explicit. It's been great to have this time with you. I really appreciate this. I don't think we're going to be able to go deeper. You know, maybe that's never said in words. Maybe it's just, a, you know, happens a little bit more organically, right? But in any case, it's one of those great questions where you have to be prepared for that one. You won't always be able to know exactly when, but you do need to be asking yourself, sometimes it is going to be the time to walk away. And we're walking away fundamentally so that we can be better living in the ones that God has given us to live in. So I'm going to wrap up and say <laughs> thank you for those great questions. Thank you for being attentive. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share with you some things that I get a chance to do in the classroom. And I feel myself so blessed to be able to do just want to share with you the book I mentioned. It's called True Friendship, Where Virtue Becomes Happiness. It's published by Ignatius Press. It goes deeper into these things. I think you'd appreciate it. Another resource is my website, life-craft.org, where I love to bring, again, rich things I'm able to do in the classroom. I love to try to bring that to a broader audience. I especially want you to think in terms of gettingprinciples.org or getprinciples.org is where you can come and take a number of courses. By There's one by me. There's one by several of my colleagues here. It's an incredible opportunity for you to get a little window into the amazing thing that we're blessed to do here together at Christendom College. My class is titled Man the Jewel of Creation, and it's, it's bringing to you some of the real gems, sorry, pun intended, of the... Philosophy of Human Nature course that we teach here. There's just a newly released another principles course called The History of Political Thought. That's another great one. So it's at, again, getprinciples.com. Again, thanks for taking the time today.